Warning, this podcast contains adult content, including frank descriptions of sex, and lots and lots of swear words. Enjoy. Snape appears to know exactly what he's doing alternating between long, slow sucks and a series of staccato flicks from the tip of his tongue. He somehow knows exactly how my body is going to react, pushing me forward and then pulling me back in a never-ending series of tension and release. I grab the back of his head and pull him even closer, desperately running my fingers through the dinosaur's long, dark hair. Up here in the air, I feel even more disconnected from responsibility or consequences, completely free to sexually express myself with the help of this beautiful lover, while the woman I used to be still haunts the forest floor. I've graduated to the trees. Ooh, Neil. Neil. Yes. Yes. That's not what we read. Those aren't the books. Those are different. That's different words. Yes, but there's a dinosaur, so obviously Obby. we gotta get involved. Uh, no, we're doing a quick quickie. <gasps> yes, 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 quickie, sure quickie. Most people realize if they look at the episode instead of just, like, binging, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> we had to do, absolutely had to do a quickie for uh, a number of reasons. Um, so for this quickie, we read... Mm, trans wizard Harriet Porber and the bad boy Parasaurophilophus... An adult romance novel by Chuck Tingle. Because this is Chuck Tingle's response to J.K. Rowling uh, being kind of awful. And by kind of, I mean extremely awful. Um, Extremely awful. I listened to, uh, as of this recording, the most recent episode of um, Throwing Shade. was Mm. They talked about this, and Brian Safi called her jaded Karen Rowling. Which I think is so fitting. Oh, God, it's crazy. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about this book. Because, of course, Chuck Tingle is here to lampoon people, uh, writers especially, who are being garbage. But first, Claire. Neil? What's got you hot and bothered? Hot and bothered? Um, I don't know if anybody else feels this way. But I am um, stressed out and depressed. Because no, of... I'm perfectly fine. Oh, I feel I mean, so level right now, so it, grounded. It yes. does seem like a lot of people online and in the world are handling this with um, grace and mm-hmm. fortitude. Mm-hmm. They are mm-hmm. gently ascribing to um, the measures that we have been asked to do mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. with nary a complaint or worry. Or protest um, about all by things. myself alone. I am having anxiety and depression all you're by the, myself. Nobody you're the else. Only is. one, Claire. <laughs> Feelings are wrong and unusual. <laughs> um, no, like everybody else uh, in the planet right now, I am. I have higher levels of anxiety and uh, depression than a normal, um, and I don't have the normal tools at my disposal. Uh, to deal with those as I have in years past. Um, and it is a recentering of self that has been very difficult. Um, but one of the things that I've been doing apparently is grinding my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> apparently a lot. 
Oh and, no. And I haven't known this, and my jaw's been just like perma clenched for months. Years. Um, probably, but I think the the last months have probably been the worst. And um, so I've had incredible jaw pain and uh, no real outlet to figure out how to get that fixed <laughs> because I don't want to see a doctor. And it was iffy for a while if there were dentists. <laughs> so... <laughs> No, nobody wants to be in your mouth right now, and you also don't want anyone to be in your mouth right now. Indeed, indeed, indeed. So, um, uh, a couple of nights ago, while having a very soft dinner of noodles, um, a portion of my back molar just disappeared. <laughs> just gone. <laughs> I, I know I swallowed it apparently <laughs> oh, no. the, it wasn't it wasn't even painful it was just like this, there's a whole different sensation in my mouth and then I cut my tongue just a mm -hmm. little bit on the new jagged mm -hmm. half tooth that is in the back so if my voice sounds a little bit thicker today it is in fact because my tongue is actually swollen because mm -hmm. it's been recently injured so it's like, okay. <laughs> Claire, darling, how al dente are your noodles? Oh, uh, usually they are perfect. These were Velveeta shells and cheese, so they were soft immediately. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were never solid at any point in their lives. <laughs> the Velveeta shells and cheese only has two states, exceedingly hard and water. <laughs> So, um, I called the dentist and was like, I need an emergency appointment, and they agreed. <laughs> Good. So I got into the dentist yesterday, um, and had the, had a, a, at, at two times, one, the singularly best dental experience I've ever had, and the strangest. Um, one, the new dentist working there is very nice, and she was very sweet and very welcoming. She found time, she's like, let's clean your teeth and do a whole, all the x-rays. Um, I have no cavities. Um, so everybody congratulate me. I have no cavities. I haven't seen a dentist since 2017, and apparently that has not backfired on me. Um, <laughs> well, well, anyway. see, and yes, but, um, and even she said, she's like, oh no, your teeth look really great. Like, good job. Like, you've obviously been flossing and working hard on them. Well done. So I was like, oh, not even normal shame. I'm so excited. Um... <laughs> And she said, going to the dentist is like going to Catholic Mass. You expect a certain <laughs> amount of shame. I've come to confession. I have not confessed since 2017. I, I do not floss. <laughs> I have not flossed since exactly six months ago today when I flossed the morning before I came to my last appointment. <laughs> oh, so, um... Yeah, so that was a perfectly great experience. And she said, yeah, it did look like I had been mostly recently chomping on those back teeth. That I am not mm -hmm. a grinder normally, but that I've been doing this. So mm -hmm. she was like, and she was surprised at how clean the break was and very happy for me. Um, so I get a temporary crown next week. And then uh, two weeks after that, the real crown, which might be gold. Because fuck it. Um <laughs> Get a tattoo right now, but I can get a gold fucking crown. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, and then the the dent then she cleaned my teeth because the dental hygienist doesn't do that anymore to reduce like how much people are in your mouth. Mm. But the dental hygienist did come in to polish my teeth. That bitch went crazy on my mouth. Like I normally find the polishing part the most like gentle part where they're just mm -hmm. like lightly going over your tooth with nope. like the weird toothpaste. No, she was jamming it into my mouth and like I'd have like a race car going all over it and like she'd pull my cheeks real hard and just go gah, 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 gah. <laughs> and I'd be I, like, holy, holy, oh my god, this hurts and I didn't know what to do and I don't like to complain about those types of things and then she'd go over to the other side and just like bang! 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 Like, I swear to God, she went back and forth and back and forth so fast. And I was like, this is insane. Whatever's That's happening right now is insane. It was very weird. But she's like, how you doing, sweetheart? Are you doing all right, sweetheart? With this, like, really gentle voice. And I'm like, how are you the same person? <laughs> <laughs> I had a dental hygienist once who was polishing my teeth. and was like, oh, I'm assuming that her thought process was, oh, I need to polish your gums, too. <laughs> way up in there and it's not pleasant Oof. but anyway so that um so uh everybody gets you a night mouth guard because mm -hmm. <laughs> i'm willing to bet if uh, i'm going through this everybody's getting a little bit of it get you a night mouth guard your teeth will thank you and um also while we're in this very brief window of openings and closings maybe check in with the dentist <laughs> <laughs> don't go to a bar please do not go to your friend's birthday party do not go to your grandmother's birthday party zoom into that you love her too much to kill her please go to the dentist <laughs> just go to the dentist <laughs> the dentist has all the equipment they need to make it as safe as possible you your want... grandmother does not look we all want somebody to touch us just a little bit in this time let it be the dentist <laughs> <laughs> oh no I was, oh my god, I had a hair uh, cut scheduled for next week, and I was so excited, and then they had to roll back the openings, and now I'm not getting my hair cut next week, and I'm so very sad. I was looking forward to, like, the part where they massage oh out on the champagne. Oh, I am so looking forward to that. Like, I was, sitting in a, I was sitting in a circle of people talking about haircuts, and we're all talking about our home haircuts that we're doing, and someone's like, you know, actually, mine turned out pretty good. Maybe I don't need to pay 60 bucks. And I was like, I'm, I'm paying 500 bucks the next time I'm allowed to, because I want an appointment, and I I want someone to gently and nicely and roughly touch my scalp <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i just want them to dig in and like and, ugh. and someone to ask me about my life and pretend like it's interesting oh my god i want that so bad right? i understand when i was first learning that asmr was a thing um and that for a lot of people it's not just the sound but the sound of like being in a situation where somebody is paying a lot of attention to you mm. a really popular one is getting a haircut and like you hear the shampoo sounds and the scissor sounds and somebody asking you very gently about yourself and i'm like oh i i get it i get it <laughs> it doesn't give me the asmr tingles but i'm like no that is a very pleasant experience that i am happy to pay someone to help me with yeah yeah oi yeah, no. Mm. And and normally I am not a touch person. I don't enjoy getting massages. I don't actually like. I put off going to the hair appointments as much as possible. Also, because like the close proximity of a stranger touching me has always been weird, and I long for it now. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> uh. 
but am I hot and bothered? Yes. Is this is a sentence I never thought I would say in my life. I recently had a pleasant marketing experience. What? Yes. What? So, of the 60 gajillion companies that I paid them once and now I get an email from them every three hours. (laughs) Sent out an email in early June that was like, hey, Father's Day is coming up and we realized that that could be really difficult for a lot of people. So if you don't want to get any Father's Day promotions, click this button and we won't send you any. (gasps) I was just like, as soon as I saw that, I'm like, yes, this makes sense. And we should do this for everything. Absolutely everything. Like, I am perfectly fine getting an email from everyone, every single company who has my email address at the beginning of the year. Be like, hey, do you care about Valentine's Day? Mother's Day, Father's Day, Fourth of July, Christmas, any of these things, and you can like opt out of things. Cause like, it's true. And I, I really appreciate that they're like, hey, Father's Day especially is hard for a lot of people because there are unfortunately a large number of people in the world who have um, never really had a father or had a really terrible father. Or, like, fortunately, like, I had a great relationship with my father, but he died several years ago, actually right around Father's Day. So then every year, just, like, everyone would be like, hey, Father's Day, give that dad that tie he wants. I'm like, well, I can't, he's dead. So just not getting those emails would be great. And also, like, I had my first real Valentine's Day this year. And so, like, every year leading up to now, someone's like, do you do you need to hear about Valentine's Day? No, I don't. I am exceedingly single, and I am not going to buy any of your pink things. Just, like, take me away from this list. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So I would say marketing people, because I know that, like, this podcast makes the rounds with the marketing industry. <laughs> um, yes. Yes, absolutely. Just check in just like hey here are these things do you want to opt out because i mean still for all of june i still got like the normal emails that they were sending but none of them had to do with father's day and so just like just make that a thing people would really appreciate be like hey do you need to hear about christmas because there are plenty of people who don't mm-hmm. and who like either they don't celebrate christmas or christmas is also a really difficult time for them because of their family situation or lack right. thereof just like let us let us have some say over the 60,000 emails that we have to get every month that even if we don't read them, like open the email, we still have to read the subject line to know that it's something that we want to just delete or whatever. So that's what I say to the world. <laughs> let let us, like, it's not going to hurt your business if I don't have to, like, see your Valentine's stuff because you're not getting any of my money for that anyway. I agree. I 100% agree. I think that's, I think that sounds very rational. It it was just like, it was one of those things that like, you see it and you're just like, why isn't everything like this? Why isn't this always true of everything? Mm -hmm. Like I recently learned, and I'm going to forget the name. Um, uh, uh, It's a, it's a French thing. It's a serving dish for cake. 
and it has lines with numbers around it. So if you want it in a certain number of slices, you follow the lines and you get evenly sized slices of that number. Mm. And so most of them go from like three to 12. So it's like, oh, any, anywhere on the, and it's, I'm just like, why isn't every serving tray like this? Why doesn't every <laughs> plate tell us how to evenly cut cake? <laughs> what? Oh my God. Anyway, so that's me. It's delightful. And I 100% <laughs> agree. After, after Matt and I got married, uh, cause I'd done a whole bunch of those wedding sites to like look for things and to get mm -hmm. wedding deals and sign things up, sign up for things and get whatever's and to look at venues and all kinds of things. Um, pretty much exactly eight months after that, I started to get baby emails, like lots oh. and lots of like, and all the advertising on any Google's like Google, like associated cookie site was like all like, okay, now babies, now babies, babies now. And it was so weird, but I tell you what was really weird is the year after that, all of the ads were about divorce, going back to college, and what to do with as a single mom. And oh selling your gold. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I'm like, ooh, ladies be making bad choices when they sign up mm -hmm. for the knot. <laughs> It's like, ooh, and all these sites know, ooh. <laughs> they should sell you wedding insurance, like that you can buy secretly and on the sly from your spouse. <laughs> oh, Dang. Anyway, anyway, anyway. So, um, I don't know. We've got Chuck Tingle to talk about. Maybe we should talk about Chuck Tingle. Let's talk about Chuck Tingle. Let's talk about Chuck Tingle. Transwizard Harriet Porber and the Bad Boy Parasaurolophus, an adult romance novel by Chuck Tingle. Transwizard Harriet Porber is a master spellsmith who's found herself in a bit of a pickle. After finishing Wizard College, Harriet made a name for herself by creating a hit viral spell, but has since failed to craft a follow-up. Now, Harriet's agent, Minerma, is breathing down her neck, suggesting that Harriet take a trip to an island off the coast of England for inspiration. Hoping for some peace and quiet to clear her head, Harriet Porber arrives to find that her new neighbor, an angsty bard named Snape from the band Seven Inch Nails, is already there making a racket. <laughs> the Parasaurolophus spellcaster is a bad boy through and through, and with his incredible powers of metamagic, Snape reveals that this layer of reality is much more than it seems. Could Harriet and Snape really be characters in a parody romance novel? Soon enough, these two are discovering they have more similarities than differences. Both trans, both strong, and both hoping to create a new spell that will change the world. But with the addition of two devious sentient motorcycles to the mix, Delatrix and Breako, things start to get complicated. Now trans wizard Harriet Porber is caught up in a tale of magic and mystery where nothing is as it seems, except for one universal truth. Love is real. This is a 52,000 word bad boy romance novel for adults. It contains some explicit scenes. So Claire, that's yes. what the book says. Uh-huh. Do we also, I mean like, do we want to talk about jaded Karen Rowling um, at all? I mean, I think in our last episode, I had talked a little bit about how it was very upsetting 
and I didn't want to give her any more air time mm -hmm. um, than she already has, uh, i.e. all of Disneyland and Disney World and uh, like... Um, Universal. You, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, the only people, pe the only reason people are going to Universal are, are just for Harry Potter. Right, but the thing is, like, for me, I'm not sure, like, how long Universal is going to be a separate entity from Disney. That's true. <laughs> and, like, I don't... Uh, I mean, if Disney could own Harry Potter, they're done. <laughs> they, they, so own, they own everything. Um, you know, I mean, she's... Um, She's a, a multi-millionaire, if not billionaire, at this point, right? And mm -hmm. uh, there are like her reach is uh, immensely broad, and that's like part of the issue. Like that, there's any number of hills she can die on, and she's chosen this one. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's a, I don't know. Like if you want to talk. I'm going to have you talk specifically sort of about what she said and kind of how she got into it if we want to, but I feel like it's out there for people to see. I would rather if you were going to like research trans issues to, you know, go to trans websites and like the Trevor Project and like any number of one of those things, if you want to look up the history of the word of the acronym TERF, like you can do so <laughs> there are i but like i don't go to reddit for that definition <laughs> <laughs> sure well i mean for people who like myself are not on the twitters basically she said she basically is like said something in an offhanded way most recently she's said stuff like this before basically trans women aren't women and people called her out on it. And rather than using this as a learning experience, she has doubled down several times. Yeah. So enter Chuck Tingle, who has decided to point out that she's wrong. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'll have to say, like, in this particular book, I don't, I like, it's a gentle way of saying she's wrong and you can still love the things that she created mm -hmm. that you can enjoy those things as a human being um but be careful like uh okay so uh this is just such an awful subject to talk about but like i i do not understand why we can't just allow humans to be human mm -hmm. <laughs> and live and grow and love each other and like um i don't understand why we can't like why we have to because what jk rowling was uh, like vocally upset about was what she thought was a woman who had been fired because she had said I, I don't remember, but something like she didn't want to work with a trans person or she didn't feel bad about saying bad things about trans people. And so they didn't actually fire her. They just didn't continue her contract because they felt like she made the office an unsafe place because she had spoken mm -hmm. out. Um, she had spoken out and said some not great things about the trans people who were in within the office. And 
J.K. Rowling says she doesn't understand why a woman was fired because she thinks uh, she thinks she believes in biological sex. And I I don't understand how somebody like J.K. Rowling, who has the entirety of the world at her fingertips, can't figure out how to learn empathy. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so Chuck Tingle then comes out with his response, as he is wont to do, mm-hmm. in a romantic Days parody. Days later. Uh, days later, in a romantic parody novel um, of Harriet Porber, <laughs> which I'll be real honest and say, I think this is, like, if I were to say what this book actually was, I would 100% say it was a Trent Reznor fanfic. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yeah. And that this is somebody who loves Trent Reznor and would very much love to fuck Trent Reznor and thought, how am I going to do it? By writing a great novel. Mm-hmm. And then And make him a dinosaur. And making well well see the, like if I were to say the process of this particular book, it might have been I wanna fuck Trent Reznor. What if I'm a writer who has had a successful novel? Because there's no way I'm going to get close to Trent Reznor. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, I, but I can't come up with a second novel. So then I'm sent off to an island where I'm allowed to write as much as I want, which is also very much a writer fantasy. Mm-hmm. And then living next door to me is Trent Reznor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Trent Reznor and I have an argument about him being too loud. Even though I love his music, I need to focus. And he's like, what? I'm hot and never wear a shirt. And I'm like, I know you don't, Trent Reznor, and I think that's sexy. And then you have a little bit of an argument, and then you even call the police on him. But the police are like, yeah, he's agreed to be kind of quiet for now so you can write. And then it turns out Trent Reznor has fans who are all over him all the time, and now they're jealous because he obviously likes you. Trent Reznor becomes a better person through his association with you, but also writes better music through knowing you has a breakthrough with his own music and suddenly he wants you to be with him all the time you also have a breakthrough on your novel and now you are able to write that you both find success oh but then your the his stalkers almost kill you because they're so very jealous you have a terrible fight with them but you successfully win the day with uh, what can only be called plot logic, and then, um, and then Trent Reznor comes to you. He has changed from a bad boy to a uh, one who absolutely adores you, and you have sex and live happily ever after, and are creative people who get who successfully create wonderful works of art. That is this book, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then there was a rewrite. <laughs> that went through and made Trent Reznor a dinosaur (laughs) made the things that you're writing not like lyrics and not a book but spells and things and that Trent Reznor's magic is as a bard music but also he has meta magic so he can see beyond the fourth wall and look back in on himself in it which is great magic <laughs> and the women who are the stalkers are turned into uh, motorcycles so that it can be <laughs> still a Chuck Tingle book <laughs> um, and that's basically it like I don't like I don't feel like I'm expanding too much on it or like leaving something out um, it is 
I also don't feel that they're, uh, because both the, the main character and the love interest, Trent Reznor and Harriet Porber, are trans, and were written in the book as trans, so that wasn't something that was put on after in a different, like, um, afterwards, the way I feel like Harriet Porber and the, the dinosaur aspects were. <laughs> Snabe. But, um, Snabe. <laughs> um... But, and then also then the other aspects of, like, looking through the fourth wall and, like, some of those things I do also feel like were put in after, which is quite possibly how this book was so quickly written. Mm-hmm. But, and it is more substantial than the other Chuck Tingle pieces we've read. It is not a novella. It is not a short piece. It is a novel. It is a short it is, novel. It is a short novel. That, yeah. if you take away the dinosaurs and motorcycles and the magic but even that not really it it reads like almost like it seems very much like a mainstream romance novel yeah i would say the like, only I'm thing i was surprised yeah the only thing that really separates it and makes it a parody is the fourth wall breaking and where he talks mm-hmm. about the meta magic but um yeah in general it reads just like any other uh any of the other like um like uh, mass media market uh, romance novels, which I think is interesting because I think that speaks poorly to mass market media romance mm-hmm. because you could then just take any one of these fucking books, just make two of them dinosaurs, one of them a motorcycle, and it reads the exact same way. <laughs> like, <Right. Yeah. laughs> like right. it's interesting too because when we looked at um, when we did our last quickie with Chuck Tingle, like not pounded in the butt by Romance Wranglers of America, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. The, like the point of that book was the lampooning of the RWA. Mm-hmm. And like, that was so intrinsic to the book. And so Chuck Tingle and that it like, the plot was secondary to the tingleness of it yeah. all. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, and, and like you go into it not really caring. It's like, I, this doesn't need to make sense. I know he's like taking a stand for, for a social issue. So, and, and that people are going to have sex and there's going to be a dinosaur. So like the plot doesn't need to make sense for me. But this book, it was like, oh, it's, it's, it's about the plot. And then sort of like the layers of the parody and the layers of the social message built into mm-hmm. it which is like a lot more mainstream than what we've seen of Chuck Tingle so I just found it really interesting I will say too I think the timing of us reading this is actually <laughs> really apt because we just finished the bad boys and this mm-hmm. is a course in how bad boys are written like this is you read this through and he tells you the whole time that like this, this these are the tropes of a bad boy novel they start out as bad as they should be oh let me read this section can i just read this section of course of course okay snabe's eyes make their way up and down my body checking me out i'm sorry he suddenly blurts noticing my appalled expression i'm just written this way what i questioned confused it's a trope in romance the dinosaur continues to explain the more of an asshole I am at this part of the book, the better the payoff is when you change me later on. I have no idea what you're talking about, I reply, shaking my head from side to side. It's okay, the dinosaur continues. Just as long as it's clear that this is fiction, 
in the real world, you should probably just break up with someone who acts like this or even quit their class. I force a flicker of attraction out of my head immediately. I'm better than this. Just as far as I can tell, Snape is a complete asshole, and that makes very little sense. Still, the dinosaur dinosaur's face remains strikingly familiar. Suddenly it clicks. Oh my god. Are you Snape Reznor, the bard from Seven Inch Nails? Um, I love that whole bit. Um, but yeah. also, like, it's very important what, what Chuck puts in. Like, every time the character, the love interest, hits one of these tropes of being, like, mm-hmm. very bad and argumentative and then doing the and doing a big gesture, like, meeting you out there, like, suddenly being very nice in ways that you didn't expect or having hidden depths. Like, all of it is, like, these are the tropes, these are the tropes. But every time, Chuck Tingle also references, like, this is not real. This is a trope of mm-hmm. a romance. This is not how you should actually re- interact with another human being. Mm-hmm. And then, like, even through, even when the romance is solidified and it's sexy and it's fine and you know the characters are going to be safe, they still continue to put in, but you shouldn't have been with somebody who treated you badly at the beginning. It is a red flag. They could at any moment turn back into that person because that's how real people work. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's a moment, too, that, like, Harriet's like, to to Snape, she's like, you're you're such an asshole. And it's like, yeah, I hate it too, but I gotta do it. Right? Like, even he hates that he, that, like, this is a trope. And it's like, yeah, I, I, I hate acting this way, but I have to, so here we are. Sorry. Right. And then, like, it also is pointing out, because that's the tropes that also, that it's also, like, saying very, very subtly, in very quiet ways, Harry Potter is also following very specific tropes. And it is following mm-hmm. a very prescripted storytelling. And that Snape is the bad boy. Like, he's somebody who's argumentative and awful and, tr- and abusive to you. And then sort of does a big gesture and proves that he has hidden depths. So that over seven books, you're like, maybe Snape not so bad. Maybe Snape good guy, even after all this. It's an extended, it's an extended way to look at it. But what he what I think Chuck Tingle is saying is like you you don't have to like people like that in real life you don't have to stay with them and in a sense like you don't have to stay with anybody who treats you like that including authors (laughs) Mm -hmm. like you don't have to keep giving them your money or your time or attention Um, they're never going to just be good again and you can't make them be good Um, those were those were what I was getting out of that anyway myself. Yeah, um, the very the very last the last two lines, um, in Snape's arms, I feel like I'm free to love, free to relax, free to create. I feel safe to be me. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, yes, that's how every single romance novel should end. Yeah, because like that's that's what we need. Like that's what we as human beings need in a relationship to to feel. Not that you've worn someone down, not that you've changed someone. That's another thing, too, is that, like, she very specifically doesn't, quote, fix him with her love. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, I like, you've helped me realize that I need to do work on myself, and it's hard. Mm-hmm. And then there were moments where um, uh, Harriet was really aware of that. She's like, oh, you're about to be in this situation where you might be tempted to sort of backslide a little bit is that okay? Do we need to? And it's like, no, it's fine. It's fine. You know, um, 
So that I, like, this was actually one of my favorite books we've ever read. <laughs> I think there was because also... it very specifically, it very specifically is like this guy's an asshole. That's not okay. Yeah. Love doesn't fix people. People have to fix themselves, and it takes a lot of work. And it's an ongoing process. It never ends. Mm-hmm. And then also, like, the the very point of being in a relationship is that you feel supported and bolstered, and you feel that you are with someone who creates a safe space for you to be exactly who you are, and that is why they love you, because mm-hmm. of exactly who you are. And so few of the books that we've read say that. And it's just yeah. like, that's what we need. Like, that's, that's what we, that's what people need to be here. That's the message that needs to be reinforced because, and I, I say this, that like, even though everyone's like, oh yes, we know that romance novels are fantasies. I think it's still uh, like hearing a narrative over and over and over again, reinforced over and over and over again, still affects us even if it's ever so subconsciously, like we're still affected by these narratives, even if we have this like, oh, I know this is true. But we're human beings. We learn through stories. Like telling stories is so intrinsic to our experience that we've found a multitude of ways to do it. And we aren't stopping because we want stories so badly and we learn from them so badly. And to have these really awful, unhealthy examples of love friendship whatever reinforced over and over and over again puts in our heads in a very dark corner that we don't realize is there until it causes problems for us oh maybe it is okay that this guy is an absolute asshole to me because i know that if i try hard enough i'll fix him Mm -hmm. when that's not true that's absolutely not true Yeah. So that's why I love this book. <laughs> no, I no, and I think like one of the reasons I really like this book there's so following along with that the the sort of romance trope, there's always like the thing the the moment where everything escalates and it's just all that much worse and then usually our love interest comes in and saves us or mm-hmm. saves the main character from whatever's going on. That didn't happen in this book. So the stalker has done all kinds of terrible things. We have a we. I apologize. She has a bodyguard. <laughs> where that stalker stuff was creepy too. It was creepy. It was really well written. I was just like, oh god. There's the part where the the brakes get cut, so they crash, and then she goes back to the crash site, and Delatrix, the motorcycle, had written in motor oil the message, and I'm like, did she just fucking cut herself? Yes! Did she write that message in her own blood on the highway? Yes! <laughs> Ah, scary! It was real creepy. Oh my gosh! No, and so, uh, so here is our our heroine Harriet on a boat with the bodyguard that her boyfriend has given her to ensure that she can get to the show okay, mm-hmm. and somebody the hero thought was a good person, which was one of the motorcycles, turns out to be in league with the motorcycle that's a bad motorcycle, and now they're all on the boat and they're trying to kill Harriet and trying to make it look like the bodyguard did it so that Bellatrix can get back in with Snape and it's uh, it's all like it's all coming to a head and at this moment it's like the hero normally comes in and saves the day but that didn't happen no. she saved herself yes and she and like 
and she she did it with ingenuity she did it with perseverance but she also did it with like all the tools that had been given to us from the beginning of the book mm -hmm. and the book still pointing out in this like very delicate way that's how everything's written you write things so that they come up again if it's important you say it if it's not important you don't say it remember when i threw the bloody paddle into the ocean before and it despite the fact that it should have flown back to me went out to sea well there it is and now i can kill this woman with the paddle i threw it at the beginning of the book right and then also the spell that she's working on mm -hmm. which is to like it's it's like to have the thing you need when you need it and right she's like crafting it and she tries it and she's like oh i guess it didn't work and she realizes no it did it just didn't need to be showy but it's like she's she set up the the deus ex machina as it were but then she also like did the magic to make it happen so like in every step of the way she set herself up to save herself right and that's also that's the thing is like the book's main message is you make choices all along your life good choices and bad choices and you don't know at that moment if the choice you're making is a good one or a bad one mm -hmm. you if you try your best to make it a good choice, there's a good chance it'll it'll prove itself to have been a good choice later. But that's not necessarily true. You just don't know because you can't see into the future. But try to make good choices. And when you're in the next moment, make a good choice then. It doesn't make up for the bad choice you did before, but it does start you making good choices later. And like it was like, wow, that is so delightful. And what a lovely way. Like... The whole scene on the beach where she's talking about smoothed out glass and everybody and, mm -hmm. and everybody says oh it's from like way across the way it's glass like from forever and she's like no it's partiers who are on this beach who yeah. are dicks on this beach and like broke glasses here and then it went out to sea a little bit and was just softened by the waves and brought back in meaning their bad choice their bad community choice was taken out softened up and given back in a way that made it beautiful because the world wanted something else out of that bad choice and i was like well god damn it chuck <laughs> i know right you don't have it like you don't have time for an editor and that's sort of what makes you delightful but also like you definitely have time to weave in some pretty heavy shit in the middle I of the right? <laughs> there's this like sort of like almost childlike innocence mm -hmm. to Chuck Tingle's writing um, and like it says in the in the description for the book like the one universal truth is that love is powerful or whatever it says it's not like I have it in front of me or anything um, so there's this certain and like there's no alcohol they get drunk on chocolate milk Mm -hmm. and like there's talking motorcycles and talking dinosaurs and it's like there's this just this childlike quality to it that's really endearing but then at the same time like it's very adult because people are having sex but then also these like like there's this way that Chuck Tingle is like at, at the same time I'm going to show you how the world should be in, in like if I had my druthers, the world would have talking dinosaurs and, and love would be the most powerful thing in the world. And I'm going to juxtapose that against what the world is actually like. Mm -hmm. And we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about it. 
It's just like, oh my god, Chuck Tingle. Well, it's like, this is gonna, okay, what? I'm gonna say something that's very ridiculous, but also I feel like is a little bit true. It's a little bit of, god, I feel like such a dick right now, but it's a little bit the way Kurt Vonnegut writes. <laughs> Where it's like, <laughs> but it's. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Chuck Tingle and Kurt Vonnegut. They have a lot in common. So much, but. The way we talk about Kurt is that it's like an alien looking down and like writing somebody's history out, and like what would a what would a human say to a non-human person to explain what what's happening, and that's in some ways feels like what's happening here too. Like, mm-hmm. and that's it's just it's a very gentle way to say reader, analyze the things you're reading. It's yes. it's okay to both to take joy out of something and to analyze it, <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. okay to like also reject what you're reading. <laughs> it's also okay to reject some of the people around you who are not good. I'm gonna read one more passage. Um, uh, okay, I'm sorry, Snape offers. Meta magic provides me with a let's say broader point of view than most. I guess what I'm saying is while romance novels tend to peddle the idea that toxic bad boys can change, in reality you probably want to avoid someone like me. I'd be a shitty boyfriend and a shitty professor. (laughs) It's true. Can I, along the lines of like breaking the fourth wall, there's this moment where he makes his, she's the first person to hear like more or less the first draft of his new meta magic spell mm-hmm. and it helps her realize that she's a character in a book and then it says this i gaze out through the limits of this world and see the reader themselves their mouths instinctively curling up into a smile when they realize they're being referenced <laughs> and as i was reading that i got this little quirk on my mouth i did too i did too and it was just like okay one well, chuck tingle like you get it but then also there's just it's like this something about it that's just like hello reader i'm acknowledging you also yeah you're part of this and there's another part too where um where when snape is talking about like the difficulties that he's having working the the spell out he's like i don't just want like you to realize you're in a book i i want and for you to realize like how beautiful that is and how beautiful it is to be in a piece of art. I want the reader to realize that they're beautiful too. It's just like, oh, that's like, that's all Chuck Tico wants for us. Yeah. It's for us to realize that we're beautiful and for love to always win. And it's just like so sweet and endearing. <laughs> and all of my feelings about Chuck Tico, almost all of my feelings about Chuck Tico have changed entirely since the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> like, I think he's amazing. He is amazing. We need to talk about the typos, though. Oh, my God. Like, okay, so here's the thing. I want to say this very clearly. Um, as somebody who may or may not be a little bit dyslexic mm-hmm. <laughs> and has had an ex- exceedingly difficult time learning to spell as a child and continuing on like with my own like journey through typos and issues like for the most part I feel like um, a lot of these things are created by a system that is arbitrary and ridiculous that in some cases it doesn't fucking matter 
where there we're using really <laughs> it doesn't matter what it's reusing as long as long as the sentence is understandable like for me i dislike the pulling apart of those probably because of my own shame and my own like i know the difference between it's and it's but i can't always express it and i have to look it up every time and it's hard and it makes me feel like a bad person because i can't remember a, a rule like this and so like it's it, like and like I remember I know the difference between all the theirs, but it's like my fingers seem to work ahead of me, and I can't always just look at a page and immediately figure it out. And like it's upsetting and it's hard. And so like I've never wanted to be somebody who came down hard on grammar, and especially in a Chuck Tingle book where it's like fuck it, who cares? Like that's not what this is about. <laughs> um, but yeah, even some of the the grammar issues fucked with my head. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, oh, okay, well, what? <laughs> like, there was so obviously, like, sometimes I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, like, sometimes it, it's not even an, an issue of using the wrong there, there, there. But, like, yeah. he meant to say a table, but he said I table. Or, like, or, or like the same was, person was, like, was like yeah, said twice was very, or three times in a sentence. It was very <laughs> obvious that Braco was originally the instigator of everything, but just... Chuck Tingle decided to switch it to Dalatrix and then didn't go through carefully. There's a, a point where Braco did something after Braco had been knocked unconscious. Yeah. No, I, I know you mean Dalatrix. You just like switched who was doing what. I understand that. But also just like, please. And there's a moment too where, because um, she lives, Harriet lives in New York and then she goes to England and her agent calls her and he's like, Oh my god, it's three hours earlier over here, or three hours earlier over there, or whatever. Like, he had the, the time difference backwards. Yeah. Like, no. And there's a moment that I was like, maybe in the Tingleverse, England is on the other side of America. <laughs> maybe England is next to California. And it was like, we've, all the other books I've read uh, were in Billings, so maybe... Have we ever been outside of Billings? <laughs> uh, so it's, it's beautiful, it's wonderful, but Chuck Tingle, please send an email to fmkpod at gmail.com and for a nominal fee, I will happily, happily spot check all of your work. Because <laughs> it just, and, and I know it's really pedantic of me, I understand that, but it just like, stuff like that sort of like pulls me out of it ever so slightly. Um, and it's just because I find language and grammar so interesting that when I see something like that, like that's what my brain gets tripped up on instead of like being able to just gloss over it. So that's why I bring it up. And it, you know, what? I, like no, everyone go I read this it, book. I think it's worthwhile bringing up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I, I do feel like it's worthwhile bringing up. Like this isn't like, it's like, there's part of it. It's like part of the tingle universe. Like, if it didn't have mistakes, I would wonder what the fuck I was reading. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, has, has Chuck Tingle been replaced by a pod person? <laughs> oh my god, but also like, it's almost very Dadaist in some ways. It's like, to put it a urinal is. in a museum and say like, it's fucking art, and everybody go, indeed it is, and I will pay for it. Mm -hmm. And it's like him saying, it's very much Chuck Tingle going, look, I could just fucking put this on the internet without any goddamn editorial at all, and it's fine people will read it still <laughs> it's still a fucking story and everybody goes mm -hmm, yep <laughs> i mean he's he's had a lot more success as a writer than i have so 
what do I know? Honestly, just put that shit up, Bill. Just put that shit up. <laughs> so that was that book. Do we want to do some book. FMK? Uh, no, I don't. Okay. I don't actually want to. Okay. I just asked because it was like an actual novel this time. Like an actual book with actual characters. Oh, one last thing. Yes. I want to bring up Bumbleborn. Oh, yeah, Bumbleborn. Because of that <laughs> one line. That one line. Yes. Yes. So, um, also, when shit gets crazy, there's a, there's a moment where um, Snape doesn't really believe. He's like, really, Harriet? I don't think it's like... I don't think anything crazy will happen. And then crazy stuff continues to happen. And Snape's like, oh my god, Harriet, you're 100% correct. Mm-hmm. So then um, he has his bodyguard come, who's a woolly mammoth named Bumbleborn. And she's Harriet's meeting him. And it says, I'm gay, Bumbleborn says. Um, what? I stammer a little confused. That's cool. I just wanted to say... <laughs> I just wanted to say that clearly in this story, instead of claiming years later, it was there in the subtext the whole time. The woolly mammoth continues. <laughs> yes. Yes. Just, yeah. Okay. That makes total sense. <laughs> I see you, Jaded Karen. Trying to get brownie points after the fact. Mm-mm. And we've talked about that on this, uh, on this yes. podcast too. So I love that Chuck Tinkle like very specifically called that out. Mm-hmm. <sighs> <sighs> All so right. book. Everyone, please go buy this book. Yeah. Please read it. It's very short. It's really lovely. It's it's very nice, and it'll make you feel good. And honestly, like a bunch of Chuck Tingle like profits like often go to charities and things. Yeah. So you're you're giving to an artist. You're giving to probably a workshop of artists. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's a whole Warhol factory probably over there in Chuck Tingle land. <laughs> probably is it out in Billings, Montana. And just just give money to whoever they are until yeah. you know and they give money to other places it's great so i guess all we have left is, oh thank you claire oh no thank you neil thank you christine thank you christine thank you listeners thank you so thank much you. listeners thank you chuck tingle thank you and chuck tingle all we have left to say is keep fucking, fucking. Oh. is that what we fucking now yes let's fuck <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>